Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program today. I'm delighted to have your company and I have a very special guest, not in the studio. We're actually connecting via technology. We are using Skype today and my special guest via Skype is Alan Mail. Alan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Etienne, and uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. And now you're in Queensland and I'm here in our Morissette studios in uh, New South Wales. But I do prefer using Skype because I just find we get a better quality uh, audio sound. So, Alan, mm. just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I just met you recently, and we've spoken on the phone a few times. But mm. uh, tell us, what, what are you currently involved with? Well, I'm actually uh, involved with um, uh, literature distribution. And the purpose of literature distribution is to invite people, uh, eventually at least, to have a relationship with God. Okay. A very important role. Yes. Um, We know that, um, and of course, as one gets involved with intermingling with the public, there's enormous brokenness in our societies. Yes, that's true. It's a global thing. Mm. And we find, you know, that more and more people are crowding into the bigger cities, but there are more and more lonely people. So the... the, uh, the acquisition of having more people living in close proximity to each other has not necessarily had the effect where people are feeling less lonely. If anything, it's gone the other way. So very important, you know, to connect with people. And you say you provide them with literature. So this could be pamphlets. It could be books of that, um, Christian books, I assume. Uh, mostly, no. It's actually, um, it is some booklets. And okay. uh, that's in a small form of, of book, if you could call it that. Yes. And uh, also... Uh, what we call flyers, or they're like letterbox cards that can be letterboxed, or uh, certainly um, uh, people can read information on both sides of, of, of the card. It's about, oh, I'm not quite sure what, what the measurements would be, but it'd be about envelope length and, and a little bit smaller than a, than a long envelope. Okay, and the purpose of this is just to connect people with a, uh, a knowledge and an understanding of God and salvation. Uh, mm. Do you sort of cover some health aspects as well with some of the literature you um, hand out and very share? Important. Yeah, very, very important with that. Um, I know that Jesus um, had enormous, has enormous um, concern and care for for our health, and uh, he showed that in the scriptures, of course. And uh, much of his time was spent actually healing people and touching their lives and uh, restoring people and even resurrecting people. And so um, we believe very, very much as a Christian group, don't we, that um, 
people need physical help very much as well as spiritual help. Absolutely. You know, quite often you know, the physical may even have an effect on the mind. You know, if you're in pain or you're uncomfortable, you can't concentrate as well. And, and it's sometimes hard to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And you remind me there's a book, there's a wonderful book on health actually and talking about how Christ is the great healer. But mm. in the book Ministry Healing, page 143, it talks about Christ's methods alone will give true success in reaching people. And it says that the Savior was one that mingled with men as one who desired their good. He mm. showed his sympathy for them. He ministered to their needs. He won their confidence and then he bade them follow me. Mm. So I, I think that the health component and sharing that with the gospel, the whole Holistic mm. approach mm. in regards to you know people's uh, health and well-being is, is very very important. Well, you're doing a a, a wonderful job there, very important job. But mm. uh, perhaps we could just step back a little bit now, and we can talk a little bit about uh, your background. It sounds like you're an Australian. So, were you born in Australia? Yes, I was born in Melbourne, and uh, I'm one of the baby boomers, born in those in those years between 1945 to 1964. And uh, I came from, I'm the youngest, the last born of a family of uh, two other brothers and a sister. And um, my father was uh, a a returned serviceman. Okay. Yeah, he spent time uh, in the uh, Papua New Guinea. Uh, He was one of the soldiers that uh, was in the 39th Battalion. And uh, they were the people that met the Japanese advance uh, on... Port Moresby uh, and intercepted them and uh, was one of the heroes, I really believe, um, in that war. Mm. He stepped in harm's way to actually save the lives of others. Well, you must be very proud of of, of your dad and, uh, you know, the sacrifices that your dad and many others like him made just Mm. to protect freedoms, you know, and uh, we are actually benefiting from those freedoms nowadays. And mm. unfortunately, a lot of people have forgotten their history, and I think it's important as a people, even in the Bible, it encourages us to remember our history, especially our, mm. our, our spiritual history as well. Mm. Because there's much in our history that can encourage us, the team, uh, despite the, um, the disappointments and regrets that we may, may uh, have had, or, or your listeners also may still be carrying. Uh, there, are, there are aspects of our history that we may be overlooking, and we can rediscover those aspects that can give us great encouragement. Absolutely. And, you know, the encouragement is there in the scriptures as well. You know, people may have some regrets, as you were saying, but there's a text there that's quickly becoming one of my favorites, actually. It's Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16, where it talks about a righteous man. If a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up seven times. So Mm. it's not the fact that the righteous don't necessarily fall, but the fact that they get up again by the power of Christ and they Mm. can be victorious because we can claim the victory of Jesus. Well, that's wonderful. So your, your dad was a returned serviceman. He fought in World War II. Um, were there any Christian influences in your upbringing as you, as you grew up? Yes, um, not much. Uh, my mother was a Seventh-day Adventist. She's passed away now. But um, she was a Seventh-day Adventist. She was brought up in that faith partly, um, as in early years and then later years, and uh, as her parents uh, went out of the church, but they came back into the faith when she was older. And so she had those memories with her when she married Dad and um, when she started having children. And so um, we had, um, through my oldest brother, Russell, uh, become aware of an Adventist church that was near the area where we had just shifted into. 
and we started attending there, although I don't remember that because I was too young. Okay, so you were very young when that happened. Yes, that's right. My, my two brothers became baptised members of the faith, but they later decided that they wanted to, wanted to go a different way. Yeah, my sister, she actually, I didn't know until later years that she actually rebelled and, uh, and didn't want to have any further contact with the church. But I just drifted. And um, having gone to public schools, my friends were in public schools and, and uh, they wanted to do different things on, on Saturday, the Sabbath. And so I just drifted along with them and we got involved with um, the, uh, the football in, um, in the winter time and the cricket in the summertime as in watching as a spectator of these games. And I basically had disconnected uh, inadvertently from attending church. Hmm. And so I had a situation of a lot of fun in my early years, quite a lot of fun. Uh, life can be very exciting, but uh, these things are not lasting. And um, I got uh, to a stage in my school years where I was thinking, what am I going to, why am I educating myself? What am I educating myself for? Where am I heading in life? And I had no answers at teen. Wow, that's, those are very important questions to ask. And roughly what age would you have been when you started thinking about these things? I was about 13, 14 okay. years of age. Right, quite young. Quite young. And um, the more I... I thought about these things, the more it was that I was getting no answers, no senses of direction. And I was becoming frustrated, increasingly frustrated. Um, I remember one Saturday night, um, I'd gone to see some friends of mine. Now on Saturday nights, if ever I had a time where I was, I was gonna feel lonely, that was the time that would come. And my mates would have a girlfriend, I, I would not necessarily have one. And when that was the case, I felt very much alone. I remember once um, going to see some, some of these, some of my relatives, and um, I was walking across the car park of the Melbourne Cricket Ground, or the MCG that we know it as also. Hmm. And, um, uh, and I yelled out the words with my fist clenched at night time, looking up into the sky, the night sky, and I yelled out the words, where am I going? Hmm. I was so frustrated with no sense of direction in my life. And with that, at teen, I had a lack of meaning and purpose in my life. And nothing like what I was, to, what, like what I, what I was doing, as of purposeful things that I was doing, was answering that question. And um, one day my mother started attending the Presbyterian Church and uh, she wanted to come there because a friend of hers had invited her to come. She hadn't been attending an Adventist church for some time. And uh, I don't know all the reasons, perhaps why um, dad, mum was not thinking of the Adventist church again to attend. But my father was alcoholic and he had come to a stage in his life when he actually broke down and admitted that he was, the drink was his master. And um, he decided to start attending an organisation called Alcoholics Anonymous. And in that um, organisation is the philosophy of recognising a higher power. Yes. And mum knew straight away that that meant God. Mm. And, and she, she had a, a challenge. She thought, because my father was Anglican, and she thought, 
I can't take him there. I can't take him to the Lutherans. And I won't take him to the Catholics because she wasn't, she was Protestant. Right. And, um, and so she was in a, on a search because she knew that if, if, if she took my father to a wrong, to, to, to a, a denomination that was not suitable for his situation, he'd be right back into the drink and into the, into the pubs and drunkenness again. Mm. And so my, my, um, my mother wanted a place where my dad would be safe. And she, she knew the Presbyterians um, didn't take to alcohol in their communion. And so that was fine. And so we went there. Um, I'd gone then along with her because of this loneliness and lack of purpose I had in my life, looking for, looking for answers. I'd been attending the Presbyterian church for a few months. And then one day the minister invited the youth to come with him to a program that was um, to be run in at a place called the My Music Bowl, which is in Melbourne City. Well, we arrived there and there were just thousands of people there. And um, uh, I, I couldn't get, we couldn't get anywhere near the speakers. We couldn't hear what the speaker was saying. But um, people were uh, invited to come forward. And I thought, oh, that, that's, that's interesting. I'm curious what, what's happening. And so I decided to go forward. and. I actually heard an American preacher. No, well, I actually went to, uh, I went to, I was actually attending the, the meeting of an American preacher, and his name was Billy Graham. Okay. And um, I met up with the, um, the, the counselors up the front. It was funny, you know, they asked me, they said, am I Catholic or Protestant? Well, I didn't know what a Protestant was. <laughs> and I said, Seventh-day Adventist. And they, they were thinking, okay, who's the closest? And they decided the Anglicans, and they got a, a, a counsellor. And um, we exchanged, he, he got my contact details. He sent out to me material from a group run by the Baptists, I think, called Scripture Union, which was a, um, a guide to read through the scriptures in 12 months. Hmm. And um, he also wrote a letter to me, and he encouraged me to actually go to the church of my childhood, to go back to those spiritual roots. Wow. And for some reason, I don't know, even to this day, I, I hadn't triggered on going back to church. Hmm. And um, six months later on, there was a knock at our door and, and a uh, gentleman there from, from my childhood church was there. We hadn't met him. He hadn't seen us. And um, uh, that visit began a journey for me back to church, um, to a journey then through, the, through into the scriptures and then to the first time that I was baptized. Wow. And okay. So this gentleman that, that that knocked on your door there was he someone that started doing some Bible studies with you, or how did that get you back into the scriptures? Well, he was the pastor oh. for the church, and my mother was a baptized Adventist with her name on the, that church roll, and uh, and so uh, through the, uh, the the time that that we had together. The, the, the pastor could see that God was very much leading him uh, on a timetable in, in a way uh, because of the situation where I was at. I was, I was looking for something better than what I had in my life. Um, my mother was very, very much troubled because she actually became convicted when I was asked to be confirmed. She was becoming convicted about the Sabbath. Okay. And, um, and so um, 
and so the the confirming didn't occur, and um, and with that happening and the and the pastor arriving there, he was God's man, very mm. much. So it was like a bit of a divine appointment, really, because, I mean, he, he came there just at the right time as your mother was working through some of these challenges and the thoughts at the moment. And then also, of course, you get into the age now where um, you're quite impressionable, I assume, from a spiritual perspective. And to have the right input at that time probably was very crucial. Very, very much so. And um, I was at a total loss in my life. I was a lost person, literally spiritually lost. And... Um, and so I started attending church, and um, I was amazed. I thought, these people are so different mm. to the people that I've been mixing in with. Their language is better. They, they, they look healthier. They look more active, the older people especially. And um, I felt a, a bonding there uh, with the church there. And they had a very lively um, uh, youth if you want to call it like a youth club, but a youth group there, very, very big youth group. And um, I connected very, very strongly with that. Um, and I remember when I was invited home to an Adventist house and <laughs> I looked at the meal <laughs> and I said, where's the meat? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know what, it team, in my work life, I've heard those words repeated by others who have come to an Adventist um, home or, or for a meal or a church social, and they, and they can't find the meat. <laughs> okay, that is quite funny. I guess if you're amongst Adventists, typically uh, most Adventists would be uh, vegetarian. Yes. Uh, there's some that aren't. But, uh, yeah, if you're so, uh, coming from a place where meat is part of every meal and then all of a sudden see that there's an absence of this uh, very important dish, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a very uh, normal question to ask. I guess. Yeah, and, um, and history was repeating itself when I remember once hearing a couple of young Sudanese boys that I brought along to our church, and they said the, the same question, and I thought, I've heard those words before. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, and so I um, was, um, um, I was seeing also, what, 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 how do you do this keeping of the Sabbath? I, I mean, how do you, how, what's the how of, 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 of living this better life and, and so I was watching and that was very much a lot of my education and um, I, um, I I know that they had afternoon programs there and I went to them because I didn't want to go home because I felt loneliness was hitting me like a 10-ton truck. Oh really? And um, and so I was just so glad that um, these afternoon programs were on, the, they called them MV meetings or what we know, knew as missionary volunteer meetings. That's going back a few years now? Years back, yeah, mm. and they were young people, of course, that um, uh, were predominantly making up that group, which was good for me because I was bonding very much with with kids of my own age group, and uh, I felt uh, a, a recognition there. I um, continued on uh, attending there, and I remember two. In, in fact, in in the two the two year period where. Um, I was attending church, and you know I must have had a, a like a spiritual blindfold over my eyes, because um, every time I was listening to a sermon, all my my sins came up in my memory, mm. and I and I thought I've got to break these sins, I've got to break these bad habits, I've got to get away from 
from from from from that way of thinking and and behaving and i would try again that week and i would try the next week and the next week and the next week i was strongly determined and i was weekly week by week i was failing oh and that that would have been a little bit discouraging i guess you have the the, the best of intentions but uh, mm. the desire to do the right thing but just not having the ability to do the right thing and no, no sense is still of even though i knew it was wrong i didn't have enough um, sense of why is it wrong, and okay. uh, and so um, I, I had this still had this emptiness that was there. Now it might sound strange that I had done studies in the Bible and yet I was still like this. I do know though that when I started to read the Bible with the Scripture Union and then with the pastor and doing the lessons, I was starting to feel better. And okay. no, other, no other book had done that for me. Mm. So I um. So you had some uh, encouragement from the Bible already, although you were still having some challenges with your, I guess, with your life and your desires, and then have, being able to live according to the will of God as far as you understood it. Mm. I, I I I knew Jesus as a man of, in history, but I didn't know him as being my day by day personal friend. And right. Uh, I, okay. And I, that's what that's what, mm. during that time when you were going through all these struggles. Mm. Okay. And um. When, um, on one occasion, one of my friends said, "We've got a, we're doing some preaching in the city tonight. Would you like like to come along and, and, and listen to the youth there?" And I thought, "Yeah, I'll go." And um, I went there, and um, it was that night in June of 1971. I found my purpose in life. Oh, and really? The, the the Lord came into my life that night on the street. I was hearing. Uh, people my age talking about Jesus to people on the mi- on a microphone to crowds of people, and um, and I thought I've found my purpose in life. This is what I want to put my life to, and so I started talking to people there in the crowds about things that I had been learning, and um, um, it was years later on um, that um, people said to me, um, "Did you ask Jesus to come into your life?" Hmm. And I didn't know to wow. do that at the time, but he came in anyway because he knew my heart, and he came in. Yes, and that actually reminds me of that text there that Paul talks about in Galatians. You know, Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-three. It says, "But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed." So God was sort of keeping you in guard, you know, by what you were learning. But it's not until you made that surrender to Jesus. Mm. That all of a sudden, you know, faith came and you could grasp hold of Christ as a savior and as a deliverer from sin. Absolutely, and mm. I remember going to work because the, the meetings were on Sunday nights, and um, we get a crowd of um, maybe twenty or thirty people, and then we relocated to, to another area, and we were getting crowds of over three hundred. And um, uh, and I remember the next day I went to work, and I was very quiet through the day. And someone came to me and said, um, "Is something wrong, Alan?" And um, and I spoke my faith. What happened the night before? Because I was struggling that morning, and I was thinking, "Oh, what are people going to say here? Are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to um, make fun of me? Um, uh, are they going to disrespect me? Are they going to think that I'm a fanatic?" And I was struggling with faith. Mm. But I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I've finished with my life. I'm not going back to that life. And um, 
and I decided I'm going to do. I'm diving in to the deep end. I don't, I don't care what people think. Wow. This is my new life, and, mm. and I'm not going back to that old life for anything. I've finished with it. And um, and I spoke to someone about the Lord, and the roof did not come down, did it? <laughs> right. So you, as soon as you had that experience with God, you were wanting to share with other people, and the Lord laid it on your heart to share something that you had that you didn't have had before, but you were so excited about it that you couldn't really hold it back, although yes. you were a little bit nervous about how people would react and how they would think yes. about you. Yes, because I sensed that um, um, I would probably lose friends, and um, I think I would have lost some friends. I can't sure. remember now, but um, uh, but yeah, and and um, and and so um, the word got around, but I wasn't aware of this. But word got around that Alan had got religion, or Alan had got Alan has changed, and. I, I look back now at teen and I remember how that in the old days, if I dropped something on my toe, bad words would come out. Right. And they'd come out loud and I didn't think that other people would hear, but I was heard all over the warehouse. Mm. And, um, uh, and this wasn't happening anymore. And it wasn't the witness of what I was saying so much to people. It was that it was what wasn't happening in my life anymore, in my behaviour anymore, and especially at the workplace there. And I remember one of the women actually started going to a church. And um, okay, yeah, and um, uh, and so I, you know, it seems sometimes um, I think some of our people get discouraged because. They think they're not doing enough, and that can be a good thing, but it can be a, a depressing thing as well to think that way. Yes. But, you know, we, we remember, don't we, when we read, we read in Scripture how that Peter said, I'll never, I'll never deny you. Mm. I'll never forsake you. And, um, and Jesus told him that prophecy, and, um, and um, he saw the fulfillment of it. That's right. And he actually denied the prophecy. He didn't think he was capable, but the Lord knew his heart and knew his capability, unfortunately. And yeah. then to convince the people, he actually ended up swearing and cursing because Jesus' mm. disciples were known for the purity of their language. Yes. Mm. And, um, and I thought to myself, and, and, and that woman, that um, uh, she, the third person that she, he spoke to, or the third time that he spoke, that lady, that servant girl, she knew that, she was, that Peter was one of them. Because as exactly what you were saying, she could recognize he's the way he spoke. That's right. That he, that he was he had been one that was with Jesus. And you know, Atine, I believe that there that our lives are giving witness to people we have no idea about. Um, people that we have hardly even met, but they are watching on mm. and they are seeing um, a, a God like life that's being lived. And they are being witnessed to, maybe even convicted by as well. And we have no idea, but it's happening. That's true. Yeah, I think every person has an influence over another person. It's very subtle. But oh. someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit has got oh. a very powerful influence. As a matter of fact, I think the presence of God being oh. with that person and that actually has a, an effect on the people around. Definitely. I, I think also, Atin, um, um, I'm, I'm convinced I know, I believe I know, very much so. One day, I believe, angels are going to bring people to us that were, that were one to the Lord that we've never met before. And they will share, they will help with the sharing of the story um, of, of what happened and why they, were, why they 
came to be um, in the kingdom of God. And we will be amazed, I believe, very much so, as to what God has been doing through us, and we were not even aware of it. That is so true. Well, dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Alan Mayle, and we are connecting via Skype. So he's in Queensland, and I'm in our Morissette studios here in New South Wales. We're just going to take a short break here, and we'll be coming back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Have you ever watched birds flying and wished you could do that? How many changes would have to be made to a human body before we could simply leap into the air and fly over mountains on our own power? You're probably thinking of quite a few changes, but imagine how many more changes would be required to make a reptile capable of flight. Yet Darwinists claim reptiles were modified into birds. If that occurred, then at least some of the innumerable intermediate forms between reptiles and birds should be recorded in the fossil record. This new display in the GRI building presents what is actually in the fossil record. Bird fossils exhibit a common fossil pattern. They appear suddenly and fully formed to fly. What about other flying organisms? No matter what the creature, flying is not a trivial achievement. It requires many adaptations that should be reflected in fossils. Yet when we look at insects, those that fly appear fully formed to fly without obvious intermediates in lower layers. Pterosaurs exhibit the same pattern of sudden appearance, fully formed to fly, and so do bats. Look at this cast of the lowest fossil bat and compare it with this modern bat skeleton. Does the fossil look more primitive? The fossil bat even appears to have been capable of echolocation just as modern bats are. The purpose of displays like this is not to engage in complex debates, but to present the data as they are, so that the patterns can be clearly seen. In this particular case, the pattern of sudden appearance of organisms fully formed to fly is clear and occurs in all groups of organisms that engage in powered flight. The pattern does not support Charles Darwin's theory of evolution, but is consistent with the idea of creation as recorded in the Bible. Dear listener, welcome back. My special guest in, uh, all the way via Skype is Alan Mayle, and he is sharing his testimony today. And Alan, you were just talking about the influence that each one has on another, especially those who have given their lives to the Lord and mm. have uh, the Holy Spirit. Yes, I think that we have every reason to be encouraged um, very much so when we can look at a little story like what we've just touched on yes. with Peter's um, uh, tragic denial that um, uh, we are a witness. God is doing things through our life that we're not even aware of in the lives of others. And um, uh, I just praise God for that. I really, really do. Um, my, um, my life... From that time, I was involved with street preaching every week that was going on there. I know eventually um, Sydney was hearing about this, our Sydney churches, and we went up to the Warunga Church there in Sydney, a, a team of us, and we shared our experiences there of people uh, that we were witnessing to. And um, they started a ministry there called Salt, Share a Little Truth. Oh, okay, uh, nice. In, yeah, in, in the King's Cross area there. And uh, King's Cross is a, um, an area where there's a, there's a lot of um, 
narcotics. I understand it's being used. There's a lot of um, immorality lifestyle that's happening there. And we're writing like, as it were, like Satan's den. Uh, they were, as in bringing the, the word of God to, to people in a new life. Um, I um, was 19 years of age when I had um, uh, come to the Lord. And my life at teen has never been the same. I've, um, I went then, uh, three years later on, we moved to when I was 22, I came under the conviction to become a literature evangelist. Um, how would you explain what is a literature evangelist to teen? Okay, well, this is someone that looks at sharing the gospel through means of books and pamphlets. It could be on health. I know some of them even do cookbooks for healthy vegetarian cooking. Mm. And just books that share the gospel, talk about prophecy. Mm. And what this does, um, a literature evangelist is able to duplicate his work rapidly, as people say, buy books and they, they read the books. The, mm. the literature evangelist doesn't even have to be present for the benefit and the blessing to, to be with these people. They buy the book, they read the book, and many lives have been impacted by it. Mm. Matter of fact, just this weekend I was at a literary evangelism conference in Melbourne, and mm. one of the men that spoke there actually uh, became a Christian. Because he mm. tried all kinds of stuff, some other mm. Christian denominations, New Age things. He got into uh, you know smoky marijuana and even some uh, Rastafarian stuff at one stage. And mm. it's not until he read the book called Great Controversy that his the life his life was dramatically impacted. So mm. there are many stories like that of literature evangelists who have actually well let me call it plants planted seeds, the seeds of the gospel that have germinated sometimes, sometimes within months, sometimes within years mm. after the literature evangelists had left that book with those people. Mm. I was in that work for ten very prosperous and successful years. And um, in fact I wasn't in it for the money, but I do know that one time um, that um, I was I had been asked on a few occasions, how am I getting on with the work? People were concerned as to whether I was going all right with it. And um, I found over a number of years that I had tripled my income from the first job that I had when I left school. The wow. Lord had blessed me so abundantly. Mm, praise the Lord. Uh, but spiritually as well. And um, um, I remember with one home I came to, um, there was this young man who'd come home from... Uh, the tax, taxi driving for the morning and after, early afternoon and his name was Sean and um, I um, canvassed him a set of books called Modern Ways to Health and I was impressed also to show him a book called The Triumph of God's Love which was a title put on the Great Controversy book and um, he ordered the three of these books I went back and did a cash on delivery uh, to that home I met up with his brother. His brother paid for the books. Uh, his brother ordered some books. And um, I, I was um, delivering, and then uh, he was re reordering new books from me as well and then delivering. And as I got to do that over the days and weeks ahead, we got to know each other. And um, he said, have you been to the people next door? And I said, uh, yes, but they were not interested. And he said, um, go to the people in the caravan in the driveway and so I went to see them. Now Richard and Kathy had been, were hippies and um, they had just started attending a church only two or so weeks before I had met them and um, they were looking for something more than what they had. Again, like me, searching for something better 
and uh, they purchased health books from me. They later on purchased a set of books that um, we, we call the Bible Story, which is a series of uh, short stories with pictures. And um, one day, I remember, um, I was speaking to my pastor in, in our church, and I said, could you make a visit on my friend Kevin? And so he, um, he got the details, the contact details, and um, I mentioned also about the, his next-door neighbours as well. And, um, and so he went and visited Kevin, uh, started Bible studies with Kevin, and likewise met up with Richard and Kathy, started Bible studies with them. These three people today have been uh, following the Lord for many years now, and they are members of our church. Mm, that's wonderful. God leads in remarkable ways. Yes, and, he uh, does. I, I then went uh, from literature ministry. I had to, um, for a while, I had to be under doctor's care, health care, because I'm a type 1 diabetic. Okay. And, and so I, um, I had hospitalization over those years because of, um, of the diabetes um, condition. And um, when you get, uh, say, like an everyday, like a flu, for a diabetic, that can mean hospitalization. Is that right? And, yeah, and so um, I've I've done a number of hospital, not just visits and seeing people, but I've been put in a, a, as a patient on many times over the 44 years of diabetes. But um, uh, I I know I, I went into uh, another work. I created my own industry, and I became involved in a, in fundraising for a, a society in Queensland, which was at that time called Paraplegic and Quadriplegic Association. And um, I was with them for 20 years. I was privileged to see, as I was meeting with politicians, business people, even um, a former uh, Prime Minister, Kevin Rudd. I met up with also um, the former Premier of Queensland, Peter Beattie, uh, on three occasions. and. These people, the um, church representatives of different denominations around Queensland as well, and over a 20-year period through my own work alone, they they gave to us about $20 million. When I say $20 million, a million dollars, $1 million uh, through my own work alone in that 20-year period. And um, uh, people that um, were um, working in the office where I eventually became as a telemarketer. Um, many of them were in wheelchairs. They're very brave people. They're seen very brave. And mm. uh, they have their own story, their own testimony. Um, in the um, disability uh, sector, and especially with those who have spinal cord injury, suicide is much higher there. Uh, it's about one in, in every... I, I've forgotten now. I, can't, I don't want to guess, but it, it's very high there. And um, many of these people go through the suicidal tendencies um, because their life has been broken and um, uh, permanently. And so um, I, I was really blessed uh, in working amongst these people, humbled very much so. Um, and um, I was really um, blessed by God because I know that the whole team there were doing God's work in helping others that um, uh, have been affected by um, spinal cord injury. I know that um, um, on, when, when it came, 
there was a situation, you know, that occurred in New York some years back where 2,832 people were killed in one day or thereabouts. And um, uh, I remember looking up an, an internet, a web page, uh, with an organisation called Johnny and Friends, an American lady who is a quadriplegic, has this organisation, and um, she ministers to the disabled people um, in various denominations, but throughout the wider community as well, throughout the world. And I remember um, sharing with the, the team there through internet um, how that um, uh, our school programs, because we were running school programs uh, teaching kids about safety and uh, the people that were running them as teachers were people in, with quadriplegia, paraplegia. And um, uh, since those school programs were running, and they started in 1988, uh, we had found that um, the, the rate of, of people in Queensland coming into spinal cord, cord injury was falling each year. And I shared that with the Johnny and team uh, organisation as to what's happening here in Queensland. They were stunned to see this happening in, in, in this is, is part of the Australian community. Very encouraged by it, very much so. I remember Johnny saying, she was a, she's a lady, by the way. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I sort of picked that up when he said, I thought Johnny, I thought first thought male, but obviously Johnny is a female. Yeah. Johnny Erickson um, got spinal cord injury back in 1967 from a diving in, diving. Uh, in injury that occurred and um, her movie her story was actually put on movie by an organization called worldwide pictures she's written also her biography as well and uh, so she's been a tremendous um, uh, witness to people and families who are suffering also because of this type of injury that's occurred so it affects families very much mm. and um, I went from then doing the work in, in spinal cord injury with, with, with the um, Paraplegic Quadriplegic Association, I, um, I went into um, retirement. And um, with that, um, I knew what I was going to do because I said to the, the team there that I was leaving because they were sad that I was going. I said, well, I'm, it's the end of one chapter. I'm going into a new chapter. And that chapter was to work for God. And um, since that time, I've been um, doing a lot of street work. I've still got literature evangelism in my blood. Um, and um, I'm doing a lot of work now with the Discovery Centre. That's a, um, uh, an organisation uh, in, in Sydney. Uh, central office is there. And um, uh, they distribute um, these uh, letterbox cards uh, for the Bible courses that they operate from the school there. And people throughout the whole of Australia uh, are, are doing Bible courses uh, that through the mail or through the, in, in, through the webpage um, and uh, coming to know about God and um, lifestyle tips that can help them with relationships and health problems. And so I've been working uh, with them in getting out uh, our literature that way. In fact, um, I got a... Um, uh, communication from our community manager there because uh, I asked her what's the response like uh, in in what I'm doing in um, in Brisbane and uh, she measured the response from a 20 kilometer radius from the, the Brisbane post office 
and she said there are 19 people that are now, or 19 addresses that are now doing our Bible courses, you know, in around the Brisbane area. And so I'm very thrilled about that. Yeah, no, praise the Lord for that. That was up from January of the year before last through to um, May of last year. And of course, now there's a different figure that will be coming through um, from then up till now. But, mm. but So yeah. there was 19 Bible studies in a matter of about four or five months or so that, uh, that, that, that you were told about. No, it's actually um, January 2017 through to um, May of 2018. Okay, and, right, understand. Yep, yeah, and um, and so there are people also that have made contacts through the web page as well, and um, they are um, also doing Bible studies as well. And of course, that's that can be international. Of course, I was wondering, Etienne, also if I could just mention a little bit of detail here for the listeners here, just in case. They may like to make contact with our Bible school sure, as well. Sure, by all means do. Yeah, please share that. Yeah. Um, I've got a flyer here that's called What Does the Future Hold? And um, on the back of this flyer, there is the, um, uh, for, I guess for our nationwide um, listeners here, the 1300 number will work. Um, it's 1300 and then 300 and then it's 389. So that's 1,300, and then 300, and then 389. They're also on Facebook as uh, Slash Hope Digital. Uh, they're also on Twitter as at Hope Channel. And I guess the, the, the mailing address also is, is for Amazing Discoveries is Community Manager, Hope Channel, Locked Bag, 1115. Warunga, New South Wales, 2076. Lockbag, 1115, Warunga, New South Wales, 2076, the postcode. And um, if you make contact, if, the, if you folks make contact um, with those details, um, there will be someone who's aware of um, what's happening now because uh, they know that this is being promoted on, on the radio, that, um, that, that you've You've made contact through 3ABN Radio Australia, and uh, they will certainly supply out um, the information and the help that can be of an encouragement to you as well. Wonderful. Yeah. So what we can do also, if people didn't quite get those details down but they're interested, they can contact us. We will be sharing our contact details towards the end of the program. Mm. And then uh, what we'll make sure, Alan, is that I just get those details off you. And then mm. if they ring in, we can, uh, we can provide them with those details as well. Mm. Etienne, some of the, um, the, the experiences we have, I have on the street, are absolutely amazing. You know, um, Etienne, in Australia, right now, on average, 56 people a week end their life in suicide. Wow, that's quite a lot, isn't it? people. We have a bridge up here called the Story Bridge. I know the uh, Story Bridge, yes. Oh, you've been to Queensland? I yeah. have, yes. Yeah, I used to live there once upon a time, a few years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, um, the Story Bridge, you remember, of course, spans from one side of the, the south side of the river, the Brisbane River, being uh, Kangaroo Point, and it goes through to the north side of the river being Fortitude Valley. Yes. And um, uh, since uh, 12 months ago, they put up meshing on the sides of the of the bridge because they had been there had been an average of suicide there off that bridge 
every week. Wow. People were found on the banks of the, would be found on the banks of the Brisbane River with their neck broken um, uh, or drowned. And um, uh, on both sides of the bridge also is a, um, uh, a telephone, a, coin, a coinless telephone. Uh, where there's a sign where it says, does anybody care? We care. And it, it, there's an organisation up here called Lifeline. Mm. So, so people can be intercepted um, and they, they will ring Lifeline and they'll, they'll want to know why should I live. And, um, and so um, I've met people like that who are actually going to suicide and I met them on the street. And I've spoken to them uh, that um, God appointed this time to direct our feet to meet each other and God has a plan for your life. That's true. And mm. um, he has hope for your life. And I say to folks, no person, no matter how hopeless it seems the situation is, no person in the arms of God is hopeless. That is no. so true, yes. And, um, and so I've, I've, I pray with people on the street and at teen I come out of prayer. And, you know, the words that I say that make an impact on people have far more effect in my prayer time with them than any other words I say on the street. Is that right? I've seen their faces just light up, their faces shining, and joy and peace in their face, mm. which they didn't have before. And um, people have even hugged me on the street. And, um, uh, and I've, I've shared with them also that we have a food van. We have a food van up here in Brisbane, if, if there's any Brisbane listeners here, um, and um, it's called Vital Connections. And Vital Connections, um, we we prepare food on Saturday, Sundays, and and Mondays, and um, we load our our food van. And then at uh, seven o'clock uh, in Brisbane, we um, park opposite the Transit Centre, and that's the place where trains and buses come in. And um, uh, and we're feeding people for about an hour. Now, there's about 100 people each night that are there for an hour, for, for, for the hour that we're there. We're getting over 300 people now that are sleeping on footpaths in Brisbane that are now getting food to eat. And you know, Atene, they don't just come for food. They come back regularly. And you know why they come back, Atene? Is it because of friendship or camaraderie? Yes. Or is it for the spiritual nourishment yes. they may get as well? They sense brotherly love. Mm. And you know, I know when I was not a Christian, I will always remember those counsellors that I met at the Billy Graham crusade. I said, you guys are so different to the people I know. Wow. And I believe that this is what's happening in people's lives because they don't know this love. And um, they've not got it in their family. It's a tragic thing. Many families are loveless families. Mm. We can see a person um, who has come back into mainstream. And do you know how we can tell, Etienne? No, how do you tell? Well, we look on, we can just see their face, and their face looks so much healthier. There was stress in their face before, and I believe it was due to the, to the condition that they were living in. Their health was causing this stress. And... Um, uh, and their, their face is, is, is smooth, it's relaxed, and there's a, there's, there's a health. There's, there's a healthy look in the, in, in the skin, more colour in the skin. 
and um, they'll, they'll inevitably give one answer. I've got a roof over my head. Do you know, Atene, that people in this country, their lifespan, who sleep on a footpath, is only 48 years of age. Oh, really? So they have a very short lifespan compared to the average Australian then, because we're yeah. into the, the early 80s, aren't we, for yes. average? Mm. Yes, and we take for granted. You know, a roof over our head, to think that can mean health for us. Wow. And that's, that's the, you know, we take a lot of things that God has done for us for granted, but... Um, and we're, we're sorry for that, but um, yeah, and, and so these people come back, and um, we remember one guy, his name was George, um, the founders of, of Vital Connections met up with him, um, he was a, became one of the regulars in getting food three times a week, and um, he would sleep in a bus shelter in the transit centre, that was his home, and he was on 150 cigarettes a day, he was smoke. He was drinking alcohol throughout the day, and um, uh, and they they came to him and they said, um, George, how would you like to come home with us, be a part of our family, and we'll look after you. And um, he took to that very well. When George came off the streets, he was 72 years of age. Mm. And a retarded, mentally retarded man with hardly any relatives or family. And he lived with them uh, for the next 12 years of his life, which were the last 12 years of his life, except for some months when he was in a nursing home later. George had the best years of his life. And um, George gave his life to the Lord. Mm, it's beautiful. It was very stressful, mind you. Um, for our leaders in the first few days because he went from 150 cigarettes to zero in one week. Oh, so he would have had withdrawal, yeah. Withdrawal, and um, uh, and he was off the, the, the alcohol as well. Fortunately, um, contrary to what one may think, um, he had no alcohol symptoms. Alcoholic oh, really? Symptoms. No, alcohol symptoms. As in, I mean, as an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. One could think he was an alcoholic. But... Um, uh, and so, yeah, and um, we, we operate, they operate by volunteers. They don't know whether anyone's turning up for the night to prepare the food and what have you. But they come in through the internet and um, or through uh, an organisation we know called ADRA or Adventist Development Relief Agency. And um, they'll, they'll come on board and they'll volunteer for the night and they'll um, they'll some will prepare the food, others will do the serving of the food uh, and then get back to the kitchen and do the, the cleaning up of the huge pots because they're very big, deep pots that we use for, the, for public use. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and that's the night. And, um, and so um, sometimes uh, these folks that have come back into mainstream, they too can be available to actually um, volunteer. You know, when you hear the words of teen, I've never felt so wonderful in all my life. Really? Like this. From reaching out and helping their own mates. Mm. That is very rewarding, uh, no doubt, for the people who are involved in that. And yeah. the Bible does actually talk about that principle where it says it's more blessed to give than mm. to receive. Absolutely. Mm. And, um, and so... Um, absolutely. And this is what... These are opportunities that, that can occur. And... And so we're very deeply honoured about that, that, ha that happens. 
and so we get um, we get greatly blessed. I haven't been actually with the um, um, with the Vital Connections uh, work for a while at this stage because I'm bu very busy on on doing the street work, but um, yeah. So these are things that are going on around our city of Brisbane. Wonderful. And yeah. Alan, look, we're just going to take a break here to share our contact details and those contact details you sent earlier if people want to get involved, you know, with, uh, with the Bible studies and the online Bible studies, they mm. can then contact us and we can pass that on to them. So let's mm. take that quick break now. Dear listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back for some closing remarks right after this. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. I hope you've got those contact details down. My special guest in the studio today is Alan Mayle, who's just been sharing about his life journey and how God has done wonderful things in his life and how he was under conviction that he had to share what God had done for him. And he's just been sharing how he's been impacted himself by sharing the gospel with those, not only in a theoretical sense, but in a practical sense, helping people in soup kitchens and those who are homeless and so forth. So, Alan, just in the last few uh, moments that we have, can you just uh, summarize uh, what we've been sharing? Yes, um, um, I'm very thankful, very, very thankful that my mother was uh, involved uh, at least to some extent, with the Seventh-day Adventist Church because um, uh, my life changed and it needed to change. I'm so thankful for that change. I thank, I'm thankful also for what the Lord has been doing for me uh, throughout the years. Uh, I've seen in, in almost impossible human things happen, and, we, and I've known that's God who's working. I've seen people's lives change. I've actually worked with people who were criminals, and today they are practicing Christians in our churches. Wow. Well, thank God. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Alan, for sharing your testimony. Thank you for being a, a guest on By the Word of Their Testimony. Dear listener, mm. we pray that you've been blessed today by Alan's testimony and that God will encourage you and strengthen you also that you can let your light shine in the community in which you live. Thank you for joining us today. God be with you until we meet again. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.